We're going to be over in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going through the book of Hebrews. Most of the chapters we've covered so far, we really never have covered in uh, covering through the chapters. Just a few verses we pulled out here and there. But chapter six is actually one we've been through before. It's about a half dozen years ago or so, but uh, we have been through this one before. But we're going to pick up here at verse one. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrines of baptism, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Now the word here, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, this is going back to the beginning word. The beginning word, the principles are the first words. The first words, but these are the principles of Christ. Sometimes we look at these and we look at them as Old Testament principles. Sometimes they're taught as that that the, they were going back to Old Testament principles. And though there are some Old Testament principles there, there are still some, these, these are principles of Christ. So there's still some principles in there regarding Christ and the, the doctrine of Christ. And that's what we want to take a look at. We're going to break these guys down so we, we know here. But he says, Leave, leaving a discussion of elementary principles. That word there, leaving, means an action which causes a separation. That you have a separation from those things. He said, let us go on to perfection. Well, that's a better place to go. Let's go on to a place of completion, something that will get us complete. So some of the things he lists here, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Dead works are those works that you did before you were saved. Once you get saved, you can have works of the, of the flesh and works of the spirit. But before you were saved, you had dead works. So we're not talking about works of people that are saved. We're talking about people that are unsaved. So sometimes we, uh, you know, the enemy comes along, gets us in a conviction for things we did before we were saved. And, uh, you know, depending upon when you got saved, that list might be longer. <laughs> if you were, if you were saved at a young age, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church. I was saved uh, uh, pretty much all my life. You just kind of think of it always that way. But there was a point that I actually came to a decision and, uh, and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I can remember that I was back when I was six years old. So uh, between one and one and six, then I guess I could have done some things. But you know, how many things can you do as a five-year-old? Isn't too much that you can get out there and do. So as far as dead works are concerned, I didn't have as many years as maybe some other people did. But either even so, these are these are works that are dead. So we died to them when we got born again. We died to the old self. So we got to stop living this thing, trying to repent from things before we were born again. Because those things are old. So when the devil comes, the enemy comes up, tries to get us to remember the things we did before we were saved, get us into conviction about those things, you just let it go. That's dead works. Word of God says I need to have leave with a point of separation, separating me between where I am now and my thought of those things. And if you keep going back to, to dead works, it's going to hold you back. You're not going to go on to the place of perfection. So he says, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Just need to let those things go. Thank God when we got born again, we didn't have to go back and find out all the things we did that were wrong and confess them. Amen. We'd be in all kinds of trouble. That wasn't a prerequisite. You just had to come before God. God, ac God accepted you and everything that was done before. He pronounced you dead. So we don't have to do any of that anymore. So that's what he means by dead works here. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Well, faith toward God, this is, uh, I mean, the, the idea of faith toward, we're always studying faith toward God, aren't we? The uh, Mark 11, have the faith of God. We're always studying how to have the faith of God. So there's not necessarily a leaving of that, but there is a leaving of uh, having faith for salvation. I mean, once we get to the place we have faith for salvation, we don't, we don't have to keep going back and revisiting that. We're saved. Glory to God for that. Amen. We can just kind of leave that in the past and, and move forward. So leaving from uh, repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms. Now the word there, baptisms, is plural. And so I put these in your, in your outline for you so that you would, you would have this. Uh, to, the, to the Jews, doctrine of baptism 
had a lot to do with ceremonial washings. There were a lot of ceremonial washings that they did back then. In, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 10, concerning only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of the of Reformation. So they have a lot of those things in place. But let me list for you some of the baptisms that would have been have, that are mentioned in the New Testament. I'm not going to read the references. I wrote them down if you want to go back there and see them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, it talks about the baptism of Moses. This is when they went through the Red Sea. Nobody got wet. This is a dry baptism. You had water to your left. You had water to your right. There was no water under you because the land was dry. There was no water over you. But you were, you were walking through the Red Sea. I heard one person make a comment. They said, the only one who got wet were the Egyptians. <laughs> they did not. But that's, the, that's one baptism that's mentioned. The other one, another one is baptism of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, when Jesus stepped into public ministry, he was baptized. He was baptized. And once he was baptized, what came down upon him? The Holy Spirit. And he was separated unto the, the ministry he was going to do. And that's, uh, that came before he did his public ministry. He stepped into his public ministry. So that was the baptism of Jesus that went on there. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 for that one. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 22 talks about the baptism of the cup. That may not ring a bell with you right off the bat, but Matthew 20, verse 22. Can you be baptized with the baptism that I will be baptized in? Remember when John and James came up to Jesus? We want to sit in the right and left. And so Jesus asked them, can you be baptized with the baptism I will be baptized with? Now, he's already baptized. There's another one to come. So this is the baptism of the cup. Or we can, we can call that. Not officially called that way. We just kind of name it such. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it talks about the baptism of fire. This is the judgment to come. The earth is going to pass through fire. People are going to pass through fire. There's going to be a judgment of fire that's going to go on. Then we have some more New Testament baptisms. The first one is in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. We are baptized into one body. This is the baptism into Christ or the new birth. Now this is an invisible baptism. Nothing outward happens on this. But we're baptized into Christ. This is the new birth. Then we have the baptism in water. This is Acts chapter 2 verse 38. This is the visible baptism. People see this. People gathered around person goes out into the water. They get put underneath the water to come back on up. That's a baptism that everybody can see. And the last one, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.12, Acts 12.8, and plenty of other places in the Word of God too. But this is the baptized. You're baptized into the power of the Holy Spirit. Baptized into the Spirit of God. The baptism in the Spirit. So those are the different baptisms that are there uh, <clears throat> that we can at least find in there. Maybe he had other ones in mind, but these are certain ones that uh, we know are mentioned in the Word of God. So he says in this verse of Scripture, Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms. We don't need to go around and talk about all the doctrines of baptisms. Uh, uh, We can waste a lot of time on these things. They're, They're pretty straightforward. There are a lot of people who go around, they talk about baptism. Are you baptized in water? Are you baptized sprinkled? Are you baptized... In the name of Jesus only? Are you baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I told you the pastor I, I apprenticed under, that I was the assistant pastor for, I, I watched and I observed when he would do baptisms, and he did baptisms. And you, I, I fall back on this. I do this a, a lot of times too if I'm not thinking about it, or, or uh, I just kind of fall into that. I don't, there's nothing anything wrong with it. It's just this is the way he did it. He got around all the people and all the things they would, go, they would do, he said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so he, got, he got it all done right there. <laughs> but I've heard some people get so, so strict on it that if you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and not in the name of Jesus, well, you weren't baptized. <clears throat> and that's just, a, that's just a little bit too much there. Don't, don't, be, don't be falling into those kind of things. Main thing is, get out there and get baptized. I, I prefer that you get dunked in water, but if somebody came to me and says, I got baptized and I was sprinkled, I still wouldn't consider them not to be baptized. You made it public. You wouldn't be in front of people. You made a confession. That's, that's good enough for me. Uh, in the Word of God, there is nothing but immersion. That's all that there is. But 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell somebody that to get baptized again. You want to become a member of this church. You got to get baptized all over again. You got to be baptized, not in that crazy stuff over there, but you got, no, that's, uh, that's not necessary. Of the laying on of hands. Now when we get to this one. We instantly think it's the New Testament areas for the laying on of hands. Uh, hands were laid on the sacrifice. I don't know if everybody's aware of that, but hands were laid on the sacrifice. They laid hands on the on the head in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 1, verse 4. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. So this is a forerunner of some things to come, but they would, the priest would come out and they lay hands on that, on that, uh, uh, <clears throat> on that sacrifice before anything was done. There were hands that were laid on priests. There were hands that were laid on kings before they took their, their, their place. Those things were going on. And then in the New Testament, we have hands laid on for healing. So there's, there's different kinds of laying on of hands that would go on. The resurrection of the dead. The New Testament has developed this teaching into being resurrected from death. But he has the res- as down as the resurrection of the dead. And you know, we got a lot, of, a lot of time spent on, on this. This doesn't help us live any understanding what's going to happen in the resurrection of the dead. We have spent some time on it, going over what, ha- what happened when the Old Testament saints were resurrected, when we'll be resurrected, all the different things are going on there. But that doesn't help us live our life down here. We don't spend a whole lot of time on it. We just go through some, some things to see what's happening there. Let me read the rest of this. Of so the doctrines of, ba- <coughs> of baptism, of laying on of hands, <coughs> of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Now, in the area of eternal judgment... There are three judgments. I don't think I left this in your outline, but these are all things you've heard enough about. We've mentioned them enough times. The New Testament has three, three types of judgments. First is the judgment seat of Christ. That's the judgment of the church, judgment of the, uh, of the people, of their works. And all their works will... And this is going to be Old Testament, New Testament, but we've uh, spent some time on it in the book of Revelation. We will see that the... Uh, church is the first one to be judged because they are the first one whose group is complete. The Old Testament saints isn't complete yet. That group will become complete after the tribulation. So there's a judgment seat of Christ. This is not a judgment for sinners. This is a judgment for the righteous. And their works are going to be, be uh, judged. And those that are of the flesh will get burned up. Those that are of the spirit will pass through. There's a judgment of nations. This is at the end of the tribulation. And the goats are on one side and the sheep are on the other. And those that are, are sheep get to stay. Those that are goats get taken out. And then there's the great white throne judgment. If you're a believer, you won't ever see the great white throne judgment. That is a judgment only for unsaved people. But we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on these things. They're all pretty basic. And he says, you know, we need to Let's read it over again. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. These are first principles. These are basic things. We need to leave the discussion of these things and just, just move on. Find out what the Word of God says on it, but... We, we need to spend our time in other areas where we're going to learn how to grow and how to become a better Christian, how to walk better in love, how to walk in faith, how to, to do the things that we need to do on a daily basis. We can spend time... Not, you look at his list here. I think today we probably could have added some things to this list that people waste their time on. I think um, I've, I've probably related this story to you before. But, you know, when I was in college, uh, and it, it apparently is a normal phase to go through as uh, anybody who's studied to be a preacher or pastor has uh, apparently gone through this and I went through it and uh, did just like everybody else did. <laughs> you just love to argue. You just love to argue stuff. And so I, I learned that I love to argue about things in the Bible and just, just have discussions about them. And um, then I, I eventually learned that, you know, this is, this is useless. This is fruitless. There's no real reason to sit around and hurt and argue. And so one time I came back from and I'm not sure if I came back from Kings or if I came back from Rainbow, but I was with the youth group that I had been with, and they had this little social activity going on, so I went over there to the social activity and was hanging out with them. And, and after a while, a bunch of them all got into a discussion on church membership. 
And so I listened to him for a little while, didn't chime in, didn't add anything at all. Saw a couple of people glancing my way, waiting for me to jump in and have an opinion and to, and to give it. And so after a while, I got up and I got one of the other guys and we went over and we played this game. I still remember what the game was. I, I've never played it since. I'm not very good at it. I don't pretend to be skilled at it at all. Uh, but I played it that night for, for a little while. Uh, I believe it's called Orthello. A little little disc with black on one side and white on the other side. I do not remember how to play that game, but I knew how to play it that night. I learned how to play it that night, and, and me and this other guy, I still remember who he was, and he was the guy who used to run a sound studio in the area over out in Ambler. And we sat there, and we were playing. And after a while, the people over there having a discussion on church baptism, or I'm sorry, church membership, they uh, got tired of me not saying anything. And so one of them called over and says, Steve, don't you have an opinion on this? So I just looked over and says, well, what's the Bible say about it? <laughs> and they said, well, there's nothing really in the Bible about it. I said, well, that's why I don't have an opinion. Then I went back on to playing Orthello. <laughs> that, was the, that was the end of it. But my old days, you know, old days like a year before that, <laughs> I, I would have had a good time uh, just sitting there and arguing about the, about the different stuff and, and what was going on. Uh, but the, tr- the Bible doesn't say anything about church membership. Doesn't have anything to, to do with that. We don't have an official church membership. You show up two or three times in a row, we figure you're a member. <laughs> if you stop showing up, we figure you're not a member anymore. That's that's pretty much as straightforward as as we get it. Because uh, I just don't see anything in the Word of God. There's nothing in the Word of God about the church membership or having a church role or or any of those kind of things or what you had to do to complete in order to be a church member. We've come up with those things on our own. And I'm not saying that they're useless or that they don't have a place. I'm just saying that they're not in the Bible. Take that any way that you want to. Now, this next verse is kind of fun. And this we will do if God permits. I think this is where a lot of people get, get things like this, you know. Well, well, we'll see you later. Yeah, if God willing. You know, if we come up with stuff like maybe we get it from verses like this. But this is what he says. And this we will do if God permits. Williams puts it this way. And we will progress if God permits. Well, why wouldn't God permit it? But that's what, the, that's what it says there, isn't it? It made the inspired word of God. And this we will do if God permits. Or we will progress if God permits. So what's God's permission have to do with me progressing? Does God have to will me to progress in order for me to progress? Does God have to say, oh, right, hold on a minute. I don't want you to get any further. I did, I did not plan for you to get this mature. <laughs> I did not plan for you to get this much into perfection. You just got to hold up here. You've got to hit your limit. That's not the God that we serve. So what is, what's going on with this thing? Well, what's needed in order for me to progress? And the main thing that I need in order to progress is Revelation. I need revelation. What did Jesus say to the disciples when, he, when they made the confession? You are the Son of God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. He revealed that to them. Why did the Father reveal that to them? <laughs> he wanted them to progress. Obviously, but there are other people in, in the area. Why didn't he reveal it to them? Well, there were some things that they were showing that showed that they were ready to go on. And so God said, all right, these guys have gotten to this point. We've grabbed hold of this. It is now time for them to, to have the next. And so God sends the next part. But not until you hit certain, certain things or show yourself ready or certainly want to uh, show yourself willing to to hear, whatever it might be. So there's the permission. There's the permitting that goes on. God says, hold on a minute. That revelation doesn't go out yet. They're not quite ready. We need to see a little bit more out of that. A little bit more out of that. Once we get to that place, then revelation comes. And revelation is what we need. That's what I need to to move on. Here's another thing we need. I need to pay attention. I need to pay attention to what God's saying. How many times have you uh, sat down to read a book and you read the book and you read the, the whole page and can't remember what was on it? I mean, you read every word. You can remember reading every word, but all of a sudden, what did I just read? 
<laughs> you, you were reading it, but you weren't necessarily paying attention. Isn't that amazing that our minds can read all the words, but not necessarily pay attention to the words? So we've got to pay attention. When God gives us revelation, when God speaks to us, when we're, we're studying something, I've got to pay attention to what's going on. The Word of God has a lot to say about that, doesn't it? My son, pay attention to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thy heart. Keep them in the midst of thy mouth. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Those are things we need to have. Pay attention. My son, pay attention to my words. Because we cannot pay attention. We can certainly not. You know, if your wife, husband, somebody at work says, hey, can you head out to the store and get this, 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 and this? Okay. And then you head on down. <laughs> what did they want me to get? Mm. Just can't remember what it was. What did they want me to get? I'm not sure what that was. Was it eggs? Was it milk? <sighs> but for watching the football game on Sunday, we know all the blitz packages. <laughs> we know all the receivers. We know all the defensive linemen. We got all that stuff down. Isn't it amazing what we can pay attention to? Put your attention to certain things, you can remember them. But sometimes we just don't pay attention. So, pay attention. Here's the other one. Don't harden your hearts. And he's already gone over that here in Hebrews. Don't harden your hearts. Keep your, keep your ears open. You do that, we'll find that God is permitting us to move on by giving us the revelation that we need. Now we get over here to these fun verses. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God in the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. Now I heard that one person had a different opinion on this than I've had in the past. And it didn't sit well with me, so I went through it again. And it still didn't sit well with me, so I went through it again. I went through it three times just today, just to, just to go over it and sit just to make sure, uh, this particular, I'm not going to get into all the details of it, but their particular thing was that what he's talking about here is not a falling away. He uses this particular word, fall away, and he looks at it as a, um, it's a stumbling. And his idea was, how many times have we stumbled? Well, we stumbled all the time. Yeah. And he says, if, if this verse was saying that you couldn't be brought to a place of repentance again, because you stumbled. That's not what it's, it's meaning. So I, I listened and I meditated on this thing and I went back because I want to make sure, you know, we, we're doing this thing right, that we got it right just because I don't like something. <laughs> I want to make sure that I don't like it for the right reasons. His idea was that it's impossible that everything points back to that. And so this list that's in there, he saw it's impossible for each one of those qualifications that if you were in that spot, it's impossible. Uh, I'll read it to you the way that he did. Now, again, I went through this three times. And I don't see any, any water in it at all. So I'm just telling it to you in case you ever hear anything. They think it's new. <clears throat> it is, I guess, I don't know how new it is. I don't really, I didn't come upon it before. But let's read it this way. For, if, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of, the, of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance. So his idea was this. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened that if they stumble to be brought to a place of salvation. Because they already had been. They're returning to the elementary principles of God. And he looks at that as being the context. I just don't see it. I don't see, I'm looking at, the, and I went over the Greek, I went right back to the Greek 
New Testament, and I'm looking at every single word in the, in the Greek on, on this. And find, no, that word chi is in there for end, and it's in there for each one of these things, which is, to me, meaning this is a comprehensive list, not at or. Because we got words for or, but you use the word for end. So when this list is compiled, this is what it's saying to me. I still haven't changed my opinion on this, what this means. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. And that means the light bulb is turned on and you see the, the, uh, the light of the gospel. It's not strange. You have faith in it. You believe in it. You've accepted that Jesus Christ is your Savior. You have become enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. Well, it became more than just a, a salvation prayer. You actually tasted of the heavenly gift. You became partakers of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came into your life. And you became a partaker of the Holy Spirit. Not just one who knew about the Holy Spirit, but you became a partaker of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good Word of God. That means when you studied the Word, it wasn't just empty words, but you studied it and you got life from it. You saw the life in the Word. It became alive. And as you were reading it, you oh, look at this. Oh, I see. And you saw some things from the Word that you hadn't seen and you wouldn't see as an unsaved person. Unsaved people do not see the same thing in the Word of God that you see. They'll see the same thing in that as you go up to the Book of Mormon and you read that. You know, what's, what's, what's the big deal? And they'll have the same thing because they don't have the Holy Spirit giving the life to those words. And have tasted the good Word of God and the, and the powers of the age to come. Now, see, that's a kicker. Because you can have a lot of people who have become enlightened you got a lot of people who became partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good Word of God. That list, um, a lot of Christians have, have come, across, come upon that. They've tasted of the good Word of God and the powers of the age to come. I see when Brother Hagin would teach this to us, he would teach this to us as a list that you had to, you had to fulfill before you could commit this unpardonable sin. Here's the last one. The power of God was working through you. And as he put it, this is we're talking about working in miracles, gifts of healing, gifts of faith, the power gifts of the Holy Spirit are working in your life. You've laid hands on people and they've gotten healed. You laid hands on dead people and they were raised up. We're talking some serious power going on. We're not talking about just laying hands on people and they uh, a, a cold or a flu or something non-threatening went away. We're talking about life-threatening situations changed because you laid your hands on them and the power of God came from above through you into them. That if you have gone through all that, and see, that's a progressive list. That's not a, just a haphazard list. That is pretty much you hit the first one, you become enlightened. Because until you become enlightened, you're not going to taste of the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to taste of the Word of God. You're not going to come into the powers of the age to come. It's a progressive list. And that last one's the kicker. That when you walk in such a way that the power of God is working through you. I mean, that's an experience of God that many, many Christians don't come into, in, into, um, into their life. They don't see that. If you have done all that, and the power of God working through you. And walk away from it. Just walk away. There's some point. There's some point you're going to get to. I'm not saying that you get discouraged one day. No, you walk away from this. I'm not, I'm not pursuing God. I'm not going after God. I don't want the Word of God in my life. I don't want the Holy Spirit. And you just walk away from it all. There comes a point. When you walk away. I don't know where that point is. Now I'm in sales. Got to ask management on that one. <laughs> but it's management's decision. God's decision on this. When you hit a certain point, he says, that's it. That's it. Now, Brother Hagen, when he was learning this, the Holy Spirit was teaching him on this thing. He actually saw this happen. Anybody remember that story? He saw this happen in a person. God let him see it. It was a particular pastor's wife who, when she was... Um, uh, uh, she was a singer. And the power of God worked through her and worked through her and her husband. And, and great ministry had gone on. I believe that she had even operated in the area that, that 
both of them were laying hands on people. People were getting healed. Great miracles were going on. But the Holy Spirit whispered into her ear, you're a great singer. And you should be singing in more places, doing greater things than singing in church. And she rebuked that thought, and that thought went away. Then that thought came back again. And he saw her entertain it for a little while. And she rebuked it, and it went away. And it came back again. But she embraced it this time. And pretty soon he said that it went from the small black dot that inhabited her until it began to grow and grow and grow and took her over. And she eventually not only left the church, left her husband. I'm not sure if she went off with somebody else as well, but I believe she used her voice and was singing in nightclubs or some kind of places like that and uh, just walked away from it all. And he said it's impossible to take someone from that point and renew them again. Now see, that makes more sense to me than this other fellow's uh, rendition of it. Uh, even though, you know, they tried to get into the Greek and bring it all back to the Greek. And, and I I know a little bit of the Greek. I can go back there and check out some of that stuff. But um, I just didn't see this thing going. This, to me, is a progressive list. you got to hit here, 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 and here. And if you have not had the powers of God working through your life, you are not qualified for the sin. Not qualified for it. Not everybody is qualified for this this list. But he's saying if you have gone through all that and the powers of the age to come working through you. That's that's the group he's speaking to here. So if they fall away and I looked at this, I told you, you know, I got this this fantastic little help over there next door in my office that breaks down Greek words and it's a real good thing for this particular word because this particular word is really only found here in Hebrews. This is it. So if you want to get a contextual how do other people use it, you can't get it from the rest of the New Testament. But this little number, he goes all the way back to classical Greek and Septuagint Greek and, and looks at how it was going on. And the end result, I'm just going to give the end result because it was a little bit longer of a dissertation <laughs> on this, this verse. But here's what you want to get to. In the New Testament, it combines what was going on in the classical Greek, what was going on in the Septuagint. The Septuagint brought in the idea of, of sin willful sin into the final meaning here that what this is this is a stumbling or a falling away due to a willful act on the part of the person that's the end result of this of this uh, word study that I I had uh, done on this thing a willful act on the part of the person to fall away they have they said in their heart I'm leaving this I don't want this I don't like this. I don't want to go in this direction. I don't like all that I have to do. You know, the devil comes in and says, look at all that you got to, look at all that you have to sacrifice and not pursue in order to serve God. Look at how much more you could be getting if you weren't serving God and going after all these particular things. And, and people embrace that. They say, well, I don't want to do that anymore. And you know, sometimes we'll come into people and say, look at all the people have done to you while you have been serving God. That's not right either. And, and these negative things begin to, to come in and then people get the idea, you know what, I'm just walking away from this thing. I don't need all this. I'm better than this. I should have more. And they step away from it. For it is impossible if they should fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open chain. This to me is a sin classified other places as a sin unto death. For it is impossible if they fall away. But if you're up there on Facebook, I did put this thing on because this, this whole discussion here in these verses had me thinking about another thing. What are principles for moving on in other areas, in other doctrines? Are there principles for us to move on. All right, some of the basic principles we got to move on from and we shouldn't, shouldn't keep spending our time on baptisms. We shouldn't keep spending all of our time studying out these things that are elementary principles. We should have been able to get those things and to move on. And if you were in, in um, 
elementary school and you were coming up, you know, after a while, you ought to get the 2 plus 2 equals 4. We've got to get that. We shouldn't have to keep going back and reminding ourselves of the addition tables. Well, I just want to go back and relearn these. Maybe they've changed. No, they haven't changed. 2 plus 2, I know they're trying to do that now. But to me, 2 plus 2 always equals 4. That's just how it, should, how it, how it is. Those, those basic principles are in there. If I keep going back over the basic principles, how am I going to move on into the things of geometry, trigonometry, algebra, or what are the other advanced maths that are going on beyond that? I mean, some of these TV shows, that, remember that one that had the mathematician TV show? Numbers, that was it. I used to enjoy that show. But they would talk about concepts of, of numbers and, and, and figuring things out. And just like, just like that, they just figure them out. Now, I'm sure it's part of the script, but it seems like there's people out there that can really do this and just begin to think of these calculations and just do them instantly. Well, if you keep going back over the basic principles and stuff, you're not going to be able to, to, to jump up into these other things. You have to eventually get past them and keep meditating on these other other areas if you're going to get a hold of these principles. Because some of those math principles, they get pretty advanced. They're way beyond me. I don't spend my time meditating on mathematical principles to understand all that math stuff. But there's some pretty crazy ones out there and you, you see all the symbols and all the things they can put up on on the board, it's like, wow, <laughs> that is something else. Well, it's the th- same thing with God. If you, want to un- if you want to keep pressing into the deeper things of God, we've got to let go of some of these things. So here's my question I was beginning to think. How do I know when I ought to believe in some of these other things? Because sometimes people, I've seen Christians, they got so caught up in one area of doctrine that it caused them to be immature and everything. And because of it, they also began to fall away and they would pursue wrong areas of doctrine. I've referred to them a few times and every once in a while we have them come on through the, the, the place here. Uh, if they have a certain attitude, you'll notice I don't have a whole lot of patience for them because they've acted stupidly. They're in the place they are because they acted stupidly. So I'm just going to pretty much shoot straight with you, you know, knock it off and not going to do it here. When people come in and they have flags that they want to fly. And these certain flags are going to chase away certain demon spirits. And other flags are going to bring along the, the presence of God. That's not in the Word of God. That's craziness. And you will get that out. And I've had to address people during the service. Not for a while. Glory to God. Maybe word's gotten around. <laughs> We're not going to let them go on like that. But, you know, they come on in. They want to do the flag ministry. And, and no, there's no flags that chase away demon spirits. It's the name of Jesus. There's no flags that bring in the presence of God. But you see, if you get so caught up in that one area of doctrine, it can just kind of suck the life out of you and pull you into it to where you're just studying this, 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 all about these things. And you know what? We've told you about the shofar and the shofar ministry of people and books, pages. My wife ran into them and they were going to email her. Uh, she said, well, just fax it over to me. This is back in the days when we had faxes. They were pretty common. Oh, no, 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 you don't. It's hundreds of pages. On something that's not in the Word of God. You know, if you blow the shofar in this particular way, you call this aspect of the, of the Spirit of God. If you blow it in this particular way, you'll chase away this demon and this uh, spirit of whatever it is that's going on. And that's just crazy. We saw, you know, some people get caught up in the area of prophecy. And they're prophesying to, to clocks and chairs and inanimate objects in the, with the idea of practicing how to prophesy. And they feel okay with this. Now, this is, this is wrong. I can keep on going with more examples of this. We just don't need to de- keep doing it. But the reason that you do it is because they get on one topic. Well, I'm going to study the gifts of the Spirit. And that's all they study is the gifts of the Spirit. And when all you study is the gifts of the Spirit, there's nothing to balance. There's nothing to hold you in balance in these other areas. And so after a while, even though you're studying the gifts of the Spirit and you're getting some stuff from it, you'll need to leave it. And you need to go over here and study some principles on love. Or you'll need to leave it and go study some principles on faith. Or you need to leave that and go study. And whatever the the topic is, you need to go out there and you begin to, to study this. Don't study one topic for too long. 
You know, we, we study a topic here on Sunday mornings. Generally, well, some of them last around six months. And I, I usually force myself to stop. I have to force myself to stop. I have never, not a single time, in any of the series that we've done, we've spent six months on it. And I know because I have a count. That little thing that says lesson number, what it is, that tells me how long we've been on it. And when we get up in the area of 22, 25, 28, all right, we need to move off of this thing and go on to something else. It's too long. We want to be on it for too long. I never have stopped one because I ran out of material. In fact, a lot of time I'm still writing down material on it and, well, it's time for us to move on. Oh, but I got this other... <laughs> I'm, think, I'm seeing this thing over here and there's, there's more to be, be doing it. We did one on questions. I, t- I still get stuff on questions. I still see some more things in the Word of God on how to better our questions or people who ask questions. And, the, and I, I just sit there and write them down. All right, well, maybe eventually we'll get into this thing and uh, get into it again. But you see, you can't stay on anything for too long. So we may stay on something for six months, but we don't usually stay on it for much longer than that. And then even when we're on it for six months, if you'll notice, if you, if you pay attention to it, you'll notice that it, that it all falls down to about four or five week sections. We spend about four or five weeks on a section and then move on to another section in that same topic. Anybody notice that? And then we'll, we'll spend another four or five weeks on that section and then move on. I don't move on to another section because I ran out of material on it. Because you don't run out of material in the Word of God. There's just, oh, there's just so much in there. And uh, we just, it just comes at times as well, we just need to, to move on and to, to go on to something else. Because the idea, in order to stay balanced, is I've got to stay, study over here, and then I need to study over here, and then I need to study over here. Because you see, if I want to understand more in the area of faith, my love walk has to grow. So I've got to spend some time learning about how to walk in love. And then if I want my love walk to, to grow, I've got to walk over here and understand how to operate more in the gifts of the Spirit how to operate more into the things of the Spirit, how to get more revelation. I've got to operate in these other areas. I've got to bring up all these areas in order for me to advance and become perfected. So if all I do is study faith, I become unbalanced and I'll be primed for the devil to pull me off into a wrong direction. So I began to ask this question. I said, what are some of the principles that we can use when we're supposed to move off of other doctrines? So I put this in there for you. Not even any blanks for you. Don't just stay on one or two subjects. Sometimes Christians get dra- gravitate to one or two subjects. Don't just do that. Don't stay on one or two subjects. Move on. If you've been studying um, gifts of the Spirit for a while, it may be time for you to move on. If you've been studying prayer for a long time, maybe years, it's probably time for you to move on to something else. Because if you want to understand more in prayer, You've got to go into another area and understand the love side of God more. There are some people that are so, have studied so much the judgment side of God, they lost sight of the love side of God. And you can do that. But the judgment side of God is balanced by the love side of God. And you've got to understand all those aspects of God in order to understand Him, in order to have the, His heart in the area of judgment. There are some Christians that are just hard in the area of judgment because they haven't they haven't balanced their life out in the other areas. So don't just stay on one or two subjects. Keep moving it around. So just notice this in your own, your own topics of things that you're doing. Uh, don't just stay on something. Well, I've been reading books on faith for years. Well, time to move on something else. Go get another topic. If you heard teaching on a topic but don't walk in it, you're not ready to move on. What good does it do to learn teaching on a topic and not walk in it? It's wasting your time. The idea here, and I'll put this in here next, learn, understand, implement, and progress. you got to learn, but once we learn it, i got to seek to understand it. Because just because I heard it doesn't mean I understand it. Some of the things that I was doing when I was, you know, real, real young on the, some of these things, and, uh, I was listening to, to this one particular teacher. Oh, I'll tell you what, he just was so deep on some of these topics. And I was having a hard time grabbing it all. 
And so this was, you know, we had tapes, but that's all we had, folks. We had, we only had tapes. That's it. And so I, he just would rattle off some of the stuff. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. I got to listen to the tape again. I listened to the tape again. And I listened to the tape again. And I listened to the tape again. So finally I got to the, I'm just going to write it down. And I wrote down what he was saying. So now I can listen and read. And listen and read. Because and, I wanted to not just learn, I needed to understand it. And until I could break through, oh, now I understand. And until I got to that point of understanding, I couldn't implement it. So then I had to go to, to implementing that particular thing. And then once I got the place to implement it, if I'm going to progress, I need to move on to some other things. So you've got to learn and understand. Don't just learn. There's some people out there, they get a whole lot of book knowledge. They've learned a lot, but they don't understand what it is that they're saying. They just learned it. So we've got to learn, got to understand. Then we've got to put it to practice. I've got to get it going in my, in my own thing. Hang on a minute. We'll get the questions here at the end because otherwise, they, they, out there, they can't hear. Got to learn, understand, write down whatever question you got because I'm going to get to all of them here at the end. Learn, understand, implement. The whole idea is to progress. And then we move on. All right, what shall we go on to next in, in here? Don't fall back on the inferior understandings. Sometimes, folks, if we get, we're starting to progress, we're moving on into things, we're moving on into things of prayer, we're moving on into things of faith, we're moving on in the area of understanding God here, whatever it is, and we hit a block. We sometimes want to go back to, to what I was doing before. I learned this, you know, when I was coaching basketball. And when you, if, you, if you know anything about basketball, you know there is a certain way you're supposed to shoot the basketball. Just like in football, if you're a quarterback, there's a certain way you're supposed to throw. And they have it all down, how your feet are supposed to go, where your elbow is supposed to be, how your hand comes off the ball. All that is, and if you do it perfectly right, generally the ball goes where it's supposed to go. As long as you have the arm strength to get it there. <laughs> that's, that's something you can't coach. <laughs> it's got to be in there. But if you can go through the motions, and if you can get that elbow going in the right spot, and that, that little flip at the right spot. You know, you watched, I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but if you watch him, folks, he's got great form. He has got great form for a quarterback. He sets his feet. He gets, he gets that throw down. It's, it's just well done. If you ever hear people say they're throwing off their back foot? You know, they're, they're, it means their stance isn't right. If they're shooting a the basketball, there's a certain way, there's a certain place you're supposed to release the ball. There's a certain way you're supposed to bring the ball up. And so when they're going through college, a lot of times they're, they're seeing this and they're, they're trying to coach them through and to, to do another way. Some people have an, un, they call it an uncharacteristic or what do they call it, an un, unconventional style of shooting. Well, that's how they learned it and it will hold them back because they, they refuse to learn a new way. Or if you start teaching them a new way how to do it, they get into a game. It, if it's not fallen, they go back to the old way how they did it. I remember a couple of guys that we had in the team basketball and I'm trying to show them the right way to do it because they had, they had aspirations to get to college. They wanted to go to college and be playing basketball. I'd pull them aside and said, look, if you want to go to college and play basketball, you can't shoot the ball that way. You've got to learn to shoot the ball differently. And so I'd show them how they're supposed to shoot the ball and they'd be in practice and they'd be shooting the ball the way they're supposed to be shooting the ball. And, and as soon as, as uh, they got into a pressure situation... Instead of the one hand in the spot where it's supposed to be and the other hand just kind of touching the ball, mostly it's all done with the one hand, back to two-handed shooting. Or back to shooting off the side. Or back to sh- shooting in something, something different other than what they're supposed to be doing. And it just, uh, you just get back to it. Because when we get under pressure, we go back to what we were used to. But the idea is to learn, understand, implement it, and then progress. That's what we want to do. The Hebrews were being led back into a teaching that no longer applied because of the work of Christ. This is the thing they had a problem with. They were going to go back to, the, to some of the teachings on the sacrifice. They were going to go back to some of the teachings on the laying on of hands. They were going to go back to some of the teachings on the ceremonial washings and things like that. And they, don't go back. Don't go back to those elementary things. What they were in danger of was rejecting the work of Christ. Now, persecution came upon them, and that had caused some of them to not be in the church like they should. 
And that's why in chapter 10, verse 25, he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. They weren't doing it because they were lazy. They were doing it because there was persecution that was coming. They were afraid. Verse 23, the same chapter, they were wavering in their faith. When things get hard, we tend to go back to what we first knew, even if it's wrong. Think about it this way. How many of you learned other ways to pray, but when things got tough in your life, you went back to how you prayed before? We learned from the Word of God, I'm supposed to speak to things, but when things got tough, I go back to praying, oh God, take this thing away. (laughs) It's so easy to go back to the way we did it before, even though it didn't work, because it's what we're used to. Don't, Don't do that. Teach yourself a new way. Learn it, understand it, implement it. Get it into your life. And then look to progress. Move on to some other things. Hold on to those things that God has revealed to you. Hold on to them. Don't let them. Once God has given you a revelation on something, hang on to that revelation. Don't let it go. Don't go back the way you did it before. Because you see, if you can hang on to that new revelation that God has given you in the, in the face of opposition... God is saying what? Man, they're ready for some more. And guess what? God's permitting you to move on. Why? Because He's giving you a new revelation now. But if we've got revelation on it and we just kind of let it go, why is God going to give us anything more? We're not ready for anything more. They've let go of what it was that I gave them before. They've gone back to how they were doing it before. If we're going to be brought to a place of perfection... God's involved. And I need the revelation that He gives me. I can't get that revelation from listening to some great teacher. The great teacher can help me. He can help me learn some things. But I've got to get that understanding. And I've got to be the one who, who implements it, puts it into practice. And if I can do those things, I can move on to a place of perfection. I can move on to a, a greater walk. But it's up to, a lot of this is up to me. Once I do my part, God will do His part and give me more revelation. He'll do it. God's, God's part is involved as well. Don't let that part of the unpardonable sin really bother you too much. Most people can't even commit it. Can you imagine getting yourself to a place where you would say, God, I do not want to be in the family of God? Yeah. But a person who's going to commit this sin, that's exactly what they're saying. Exactly what they're doing. You're not going to commit this sin by accident. It's not just going to happen. It is a willful decision on your part to go away from the things that you got. But Hebrews is telling us that that possibility is there. Father, we thank you for the great love that you have for us. I thank you that you're helping us to come to that place of perfection. That revelation after revelation will come to us as we treat each one respectfully. That we learn, we understand, we implement, and we move on to progress. And I thank you that you help us all along the way. In Jesus' name, amen.